0: Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha, designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy.
1: Welcome, everybody. I'm Jim Jansen, the Director of Pastoral Services here for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Welcome to the EquipCast. We have a fantastic show for you today. Jody Myers is here as our guest. Jody is the Nebraska coordinator for Alpha, and we are super excited about today's conversation. If you like what you hear today and you want to continue to hear from us, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on every major platform, Apple, Google, Stitcher. Just search for Equipcast, all one word. Also, if you want to join the conversation, if you want to be a part of this Subscribe to our blog. You can find our blog at equip.archomaha.org. You'll get notified every time we release a new episode. There you can find the show notes, resources, links, all sorts of cool stuff, as well as uh, great blog articles. Uh, And you can be part of the conversation. You can jump in and ask questions and really help to, to shape the way this unfolds. We're doing this for you as a blessing to equip uh, leaders, so please join us in the conversation. And today, speaking of our conversation, joined by my co-host, Father Jeff Loring. My father is the pastor of St. Thomas More and Joan of Arc in Midtown, Omaha. How are things in Midtown?
0: Going great. We're getting ready for Alpha.
1: Nice. Oh, what what a coincidence! What a <laughs> what a great setup for uh, our guest today. So,
0: yes, it was on my to-do list. Uh, well, I'm going to be talking to Jody here pretty soon, so I have a bunch of questions as we prepare for Alpha this season. So
1: yeah, I feel like you're letting people like way too behind the scenes. Like, what is this like? You know, Jim and Father have questions, and we'll just we'll just arrange a podcast to uh, <laughs> to quiz quiz someone about what's what's on our hearts and minds, and hopefully, hopefully that tends to connect with what's on the hearts and minds of a lot of leaders. Because, I mean if you've been paying attention at all as a Catholic for the last couple, well, decades now, the evangelization word has kind of come to the forefront. You know, I remember 20 years ago when I started as a missionary, when I told people that I was going to be a missionary and that I was going to be evangelizing that word in particular, people's eyebrows went up. Some people were like, are you sure? Is it okay? Does the bishop know? You know, <laughs> there was, it was sometimes suspicion and they're like, well, gosh, he seems Catholic enough. He sounds Catholic. But that just was not in their self-understanding as faithful Catholics. And now, my goodness, the cultural shift, it's like the cool thing, and everybody wants to know how to do it. i really blessed today to have Jodi Myers with us. Jodi is right here in Omaha, and she's our state coordinator for the Alpha program. So Jody, welcome. Thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you so much for allowing me to be here.
1: It's exciting. Jody, first, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us your personal faith journey. What did the Lord do in your life to bring you where you are now and, well, eventually, you know, into this role with Alpha?
2: Yeah. I grew up in the Lincoln Diocese, small town, Crete. And so I was a cradle Catholic. I grew up going to church every Sunday. In my family, the women were all the churchgoers, women and children, the men, not so much. And so I remember being very, very young when I looked around our church at Mass and thought, when I am married someday, I will marry a man who will go to church with me and who will share that. That was from a young age. I've read Pope John Paul II had written some things about this desire that young people have for truth and beauty and goodness. And I I can look back and see that I had that desire. I know that that was there. But I was, so I was CCD, you know, K through 12, went off to college um, at the University of Nebraska at Kearney and got involved in my first Bible study. And I remember vividly opening, being asked to open up to a particular book of the Bible and having no idea whether that was at the front or the back or anywhere in between. So I had a long ways to go. I wouldn't say I had a wandering away from the faith at any point, but I would say clearly always growing and always in need of growing and always in need of the forgiveness of Christ for sure. But that's, I guess I've always just been longing for an understanding of God and knowing that so many of my friends and family who either had been part of the church at one point or who had never been part of the church had very little interest in these things, especially in more recent years and kind of seeing how that's played out in their lives I had been really wanting to find a way to share faith in a way that made sense. So I studied a lot of apologetics because i got to be really good at that, right? Mm. And that didn't always work out as well as I'd hoped. And so when we, my husband ran across Alpha on a website and we prayed about it for about a year and then saw a video from Father John Ricardo describing the fruit of it in his parish. And it was like, okay, game on, we're we're doing this. So we started out with a pilot in our home six and a half years ago, um, moved into our parish that fall And then have experienced it since then with, um, in a prison context, we've been, we've run alpha in the mornings for stay-at-home moms after they drop their kids off for school. We've done youth alpha. We've had every age from teenager all the way up through as far as you want to count, I guess, age-wise and everything in between. So it's been just a gift and now running alpha online this year has been really huge. So I will say, I feel like alpha And my, you asked me about my personal journey. I love the Lord. Before I began running Alpha, and I love the Lord more now because of what I've seen him do through Alpha. I feel like it has allowed me to really witness him in action. it's it sort of made my faith from two-dimensional to three-dimensional. It was there, but now I pray more boldly and with more confidence because of what I've seen and what I've witnessed him do.
0: Let's imagine that nobody knows what Alpha is. <laughs> What's your elevator speech for it?
2: Okay. I would say Alpha is can be explained in a variety of ways. It's an idea. It's a tool. It's a course. It's a leadership development program. So really quickly, an idea. It's this notion that, and Pope Francis speaks about this, if we don't go beyond the walls of our own church, if we just stay stuck inside, that's not healthy. That's not healthy for the church. That's not healthy for us as believers. We're called to bring our faith to others in a way that is, I guess, winsome and and authentic. So it's that idea that it's a tool in the sense that it equips churches to be able to do that. It's a process and program that allows churches to do that effectively and to reproduce that impact. It is a course. So to describe it in its most basic elements would be to say that it runs about 12 weeks. It involves typically guests and hosts gathering for a meal a video or talk done live, and then small group discussion. That's Mm -hmm. the general format of it. There's a retreat that involves prayer ministry, but I think it would sell it short to say that it's just a course because really, in a broader sense, it's also a tool for changing the culture within a parish, for gradually, person by person, small group by small group, helping to cast the vision for disciples of Christ that their role is just not... Something that takes place on Sunday at Mass. Their role really is to live this out in a way that brings others to Christ.
0: Can you explain how you mentioned the leadership development part too? Can you say how that's a big part of it?
2: Yeah. So we have people who are, what is it, 7% on average are actively engaged in doing all the stuff in a parish, right? And we have all the rest who are maybe less engaged when done well, one of the beautiful things about Alpha is that we have some people who may be a guest on one course. They're invited to come back then as volunteers on the next course. So they may serve as a small group host or helper. Maybe the following course they're leading from the front, they're the MC or they're coordinating some piece of it. But the really beautiful thing, one of the things I think has been the most fun is watching people discover gifts they didn't know they had and helping them to put those into place for the service of the church. So um, one Fun example was Susan. Susan thought she was going to get kicked out of Alpha the first couple of nights because she thought she'd be a little too mouthy. You know, she had been part of the church her entire life, but she just came to Mass and went home, wasn't involved in any activities or anything. So we let her stay. We were happy to have her for all those weeks. We didn't kick her out. She came back and (laughs) came back as a volunteer later and was a nervous, tentative sort of volunteer in the kitchen by the third time around, she was the queen of the kitchen and leading and directing traffic and doing things, you know, so it's, it's just watching that transformation take place. That's happened in terms of really activating people to become more engaged in their parish as lectors or EMHCs after they've gone through Alpha. They're looking for ways to use their gifts and really even being a little more discerning about, you know, what really planting that seed that God has equipped you with some spiritual gifts. That's part of the content of Alpha. We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and those gifts are meant to be used for the broader community. So if we can one make people aware that they have been gifted by God and called to something special, that's unique to them that will bring them joy by living it out. And then two, help connect them with those things in the church and in the community, that's a beautiful thing. So yeah, just the act of continuing to run alpha from season to season develops leaders. And if we can get really good at inviting them to, serve beyond just our parish walls in in the community as well then that's a really it's an exciting thing to watch.
1: Jody, can you talk a little bit like what's the core message of Alpha because you know the the notion of a course that's very for lack of a better word that's typical that's very common in our parishes but Alpha is doing something that most of our other courses are not so What's the distinguishing factor? What's the content in Alpha that's making the difference?
2: Well, Alpha, if I were to just sum up what Alpha's content is, it would just be, God loves you. He sent Mm -hmm. his son to die for you. And that provides meaning and purpose and hope and joy for your life now and for your eternal life. And that that matters and this is a gift so big we have to share it with others. So that's the gist of it. It's the charisma. So oh. I bet many people on the call. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, so the gospel. Okay. So maybe
2: the gospel. Yeah, that's, that's it. So the, the, the part that's deceptive, here's the trick. When we come to mm-hmm. explain what alpha is or we want to promote it within our parish, um, when we say it covers the basics of Christianity, the core of the Catholic faith, a lot of ears kind of close off, and th- because people are thinking well i've I've been Catholic my whole life, like I already know that. And yet there's something very powerful about being brought back to the very basics, the very core of who is Jesus? Why does that matter? Why am I going through? We had a guest that just finished our winter alpha that was at an offsite location at Thunderhead brewery, and he had, he's been part of the church' his entire life, and yet he said, you kind of get to a point where you're going through the motions and you don't really necessarily remember why. And so Mm -hmm. for him, it was a chance to go back and revisit, like, who is Jesus in my life? Like I've heard that, like, I I know, i can give you the textbook or the catechesis definition of, you know, whatever, but like in my life and how does that play out? Like if I really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, how does my life look any differently from anyone else's who doesn't believe that? And so Uh inviting people to go back to that decision point to really review the evidence to really rethink those basic things and make a decision for christ it's powerful it's life-changing we've seen it turn people from sort of the clock punching catholics that clock in on sunday and clock out an hour later and then do their lives the same as they would have otherwise to people who have this hunger this desire more of God to learn more about God to spend more time in prayer to begin going to adoration to begin anyway
1: yeah yeah well, Jody that that <laughs> re- that resonates with me I mean that was so much of my own personal spiritual journey you know I was raised Catholic I you know uh, I, I like to say you know my parents were obnoxiously faithful I have very distinct memories as a young man <laughs> you know junior high saying well can't we just like set our morals aside for a little bit so I can have some friends and then we can pick them <laughs> back up I mean I. I was raised in a very faithful Catholic home, and yet it really wasn't until some personal loss and some things in college where I I had to answer the question anew, right? The one that Jesus, I mean, he does it in so many different forms, but like, who do you say that I am? And I didn't, I realized I didn't have a clear answer for that. I certainly didn't have any conviction about that. And Beginning anew to recognize God as my Father and Jesus as Lord. I mean, you know, part of I think my conversion was I, I had a whole year of this experience of my sinfulness, and only now in retrospect I can laugh. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't actually believe that I needed a Savior. I was I was embarrassed. I am you know slightly embarrassed to say it now. I was shocked to find out that I was a sinner because uh, I always had justified it you know a way as like, okay, I'm just having a bad day. So that what you're talking about that experience I think rings true. In my own life. There's got to be more though. I mean, or, or is it that just, we just haven't been sharing the gospel because Alpha has become a phenomenon. I mean, in this country, internationally, like what is it do you think that has made Alpha so fruitful? I think the short answer
2: is prayer, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. So we would say the answer to why Alpha works would be kind of summed up in four R's. It is real, it's relational, it's reliant on the Holy Spirit and it's reproducible. Real, meaning people can come and be real, be who they are, be with their doubts, with their fears, with their not following the morality of the church, wherever they are,
1: they can come. People And, and you can talk about that. Like, yeah. you train table leaders for the uncomfortableness of people's realness. Yes. Right?
2: Absolutely. Yes. We prepare and equip them. I and mean, that's the, the point. Our table hosts are not catechists they're not teachers they're not here with an agenda to force anything down anyone's throat their role is to love on the people who come into their group just to show them complete un- unconditional love and to listen mother teresa okay. says that so beautifully the first duty of love is to listen right and so that's really the foundation of our small groups and how our hosts function they're allowed to be real too we're not perfect like you, i mean we're we're still a work in progress thanks be to god he's patient with us but we're allowed to be real to not know everything and to be there in love and listen to people. And that is so powerful. It's so rare, I think in this culture today in particular. So that's real, it's relational. It's not someone at the front of the room, preaching content to people who are receiving it. It's really a matter of dialoguing and processing and wrestling with the tough stuff Mm. about faith and life together in relationship with people. And that's huge. Mm. Relying on the Holy spirit though. I feel like that's, Without any question, that's what has made Alpha fruitful. So if you're a church leader, you're thinking maybe we should try running Alpha. If you're not going to pray for your Alpha, if you're not going to recruit others to pray for your Alpha, then don't just don't bother, really. Just wait until you can get that part done first, because we pray for guests. We pray before Alpha. We pray, you know, it's completely founded on prayer. And also, I think a posture of being reliant on the Holy Spirit and trusting that the Holy Spirit wants people to come to know the Lord more than we ever could. And so we come with a posture of humility and with expectancy that when we pray, come Holy Spirit and be part of this course, be part of this conversation, that he will and he does. You actually think he's going to come. We actually think he's going to come. And we actually, that was new to me, honestly. That was the aha Mm -hmm. moment for me in broadening my faith, really this notion that you can actually pray in that way and trust that he will and lo and behold he will sometimes in ways you can see very vividly and profoundly sometimes in ways that are more subtle that you learn about later but there's no question that prayer is the foundation of all of it so
0: i know there's lots of fruit that uh, comes from alpha i've heard lots of testimonies but if you google alpha and you put catholic next to it the first few that come up first of all there's alpha in the catholic context that's like the first one And the second one is Alpha Catholic. That's usually the second one. And then you kind of have to go through several websites basically saying that it's not Catholic and we should not be using it. And and I think that's on the mind of a lot of people. I know when St. Thomas More started doing it last year, that was a part of really good Catholics. That was a concern that they had. And so how do you address that when, when people bring that question to you?
2: Yeah, I love it. I love that their heart, when they bring that question, is a heart for truth and for goodness and to do the right thing in the eyes of God. So I just want to affirm that the question usually comes from a good place. And so that's always appreciated. The piece that I think is sometimes, I think people are unaware of the fact that we share in common with our brothers and sisters of other faith traditions, the core, the charisma, the basics of Christian faith. And that is really what the content of Alpha covers. It's the things that we share in common with Christians of other denominations. So there's this sense that if we haven't covered everything that is exclusively Catholic in these 12 weeks, that somehow we have failed to bring people into the church correctly. And yet Mm -hmm. it's really a matter of patience and an understanding that this process of developing a relationship with Christ is one that goes on long beyond that. So please do offer all of the things that would enlighten people to the beauty and richness and fullness of our Catholic faith. But those are things that can come after the core questions of who is God? Do I even believe that God is real? Sometimes we have a tendency to want to answer questions that people aren't asking yet. Is the real presence of the Eucharist, what's that teaching all about? That's not a question that someone that's wrestling with the existence of God may be asking yet. So it's a matter of accompanying them with some patience, with an understanding that let's present the foundation. And if they respond in a way that's you know they're open, they want this relationship with Christ, we have all eternity to continue walking with them and to share with them. We have programs for that. We have we we live in an age of just
1: we, and we have lots of Catholic stuff.
2: <laughs> we got we got podcasts from the archdiocese. I mean, we've got <laughs> all kinds of stuff. There's no end to the to the places where we can go, and those things are important but I would just reassure people that that it's okay to take our time and to spend time on the stuff that matters the most. You know, I would also say, if, if you'd indulge me for a moment, I, you ask the question, is it Catholic enough? Like there are, sometimes people are reassured by hearing that there are leaders within the Catholic Church who are directly involved in um, the promotion and support of Alpha. So we have, Father John Ricardo has been a strong proponent. Father Reniero Cantillamesa, who is the preacher to the papal household. So he's been the personal preacher to the last three popes. And he's not only supportive of Alpha for the last couple of decades, but he's also in the videos themselves. So when we use the video material, we hear from Father Cantalamesa speaking about the Holy Spirit. It's a pretty
1: good source. I would love that you mentioned uh, Father Cantillamesa because, I mean, I don't know too many people who have, you know, oh yeah, I give retreats for the Pope. Well, actually, the last three popes, like, that's a pretty good resume builder. I don't know how many people have that on their resume. That's a nice endorsement.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There are theologians, Dr. Mary Healy, who is, I know, well-respected and involved in lots of things these days. She's involved as well. So I think it's helpful to know there are archbishops and cardinals from all around the world who are supportive of and involved with Alpha in their own diocese. I was in London a year ago and got the opportunity to go to mass during the global conference. And there were 50 bishops and priests celebrating mass there during the alpha conference, which was a beautiful thing. So I think it's encouraging just to know that others have found value and feel like this is authentically Catholic. Mm -hmm. This is maybe if I can just say the fruit of it, for sure. People coming to mass, 65% of Catholics who were non-mass goers before going to alpha become regular mass goers, which is a phenomenal percentage. And so I think the fruit of it, we've had lots of people who've come back to the church after 40, 50 years away. We've had people come back to confession who are actively involved in doing all the stuff in the parish, but haven't gone to confession in a decade or two, who've come back to confession after going through Alpha. So I think the fruit of it speaks for itself, but I guess this is one of the pieces I think is compelling. Alpha is not just an effective choice it has value not despite the fact that it's used in an ecumenical context by other churches as well but it has value partly because of that very thing because unity among believers is essential for the message of evangelization to be credible in our culture over time
1: yeah jody you are totally speaking my language here and this is my experience you know, as a campus missionary with focus, I found that the Lord was leading me into just as many ecumenical conversations as evangelization conversations with non-believers. And it was the same spirit that was drawing that. And it was fruitful. I mean, I was blessed in part, I think, because I was passionate about evangelization to be able to accompany a fair number of evangelical Protestants into the Catholic Church. And the crazy thing is the conversations really weren't very often about apologetics. I mean, we would talk about the Eucharist and Mary, but the conversation started at a whole nother level because they knew I loved Jesus and they knew I wanted to proclaim the gospel. So what you're saying is like hitting home so true of of my experience. And I can say maybe just just one other thing. I so appreciate the way you affirmed the root of, uh, or kind of like the, the good desire to remain faithful to the deposit of faith that we've been given as Catholics. That was my instinct. And it wasn't until a great, great man, a Catholic leader, Peter Herbeck shared a quote with me from Cardinal Avery Dulles, where I'll spare you because Cardinal Dulles is a theologian. So I won't quote him exactly, but he basically said like, the reason Catholic evangelization doesn't work is we tend to talk too much about ourselves and, and that we actually need to start talking more about Jesus. And, that just freed me up as a missionary. I mean, so I felt like disloyal if I didn't bring Mary and the saints and holy water and incense and indulgences. Like, I felt like I had to bring everything with me in the first conversation. And what I began to realize and experience was when I started with Jesus, all of the other conversations got easier because he was the engine that pulled the rest of the train. And when I started with Jesus, I mean, you know, it's like, I've been, I'm a dad, and I've been privileged to watch six children be born. When the head comes first, the body comes with shocking rapidity. But if the body comes first, like, that's not a good situation. And I think, I mean, when we let people fall in love with the Lord, and, and we unashamedly proclaim the Lord first, and let people wrestle with Jesus, the church is easier to understand.
2: That's so beautifully put. I love that analogy. That's exactly right.
1: Jody,
0: can you share some stories of of fruit? I know uh, you've mentioned a a few here and there. And uh, I think that at the end of the day, that's what I'll be looking for is, uh, do I see transformed lives? And and do I see more people participating? Do I see my parish inviting? That's the kind of fruit I'm looking for. What are you seeing? You're at Mary, our queen, but you haven't just done it at Mary, queen. You've done it at your home. You've done it at a prison. Sounds like you've been at a bar. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we can talk about the, the different contexts where you can do it, but just tell us a little bit about the fruit, convince me, convince me that this is gonna bear fruit in my parish.
2: Yeah, oh, I wish we had days, because we could go on for days. So, let me think. Let's start with where most alphas start, with the people in the pews. Mm-hmm. Because when we first begin alpha in a parish, you're naturally inviting the people who are your audience within every you know weekend mass. There is real work to be done there to enliven the faithful, those who are already coming weekly already participating in the church, there's an opportunity there even for them to kind of reinvigorate their faith. So here's some examples. So my friend Brenna, I use this, her example a lot. She was the clock punching Catholic. Those are her words, you know, clock in and clock out. And her experience, she had such an encounter with the Holy Spirit on the weekend away, the weekend retreat that we do with Alpha, that afterwards this hunger, and she went through Alpha, it's been Four years ago, I think, and that hunger has not diminished. So she has become a daily mass goer. She began singing in the choir, not just our choir, but also another group that goes beyond our parish. She has done every Bible study and every small group that has been offered for um, faith formation since then. So just, and when you visit with her, there are people who have come on her alpha or on our alpha at Mary Queen because they've seen a change in her, in her demeanor, in her, the hope, the light in her eyes, the joy that she has. And so they want to know what that's about. I've sat in a small group where someone said, I just saw the change in Brenna and I want to know what that's all about. Mm So that's a beautiful thing. And She's such an inviter now. Like if any conversation comes up, she naturally wants to bring other people to experience what she's experienced. So I feel like that's a great story. We helped with Pilot Alpha in the Lincoln Diocese and Angela was one of the guests there. She came to scope Alpha out for her parish to maybe bring it back. And her comment was, Alpha filled in gaps in my foundation that I didn't even know that I had. You know, she's been studying. She has a great analogy. She says, I've been, she does Bible studies and all kinds of things. She's been building the walls and the roof and the, she's been building this big house, but the foundation itself had some gaps that she filled in on Alpha. Just this, this sense of now I have a greater sense of how I would share this with someone else. I have a greater understanding and maybe perspective that I could share. Um, with others i guess maybe maybe to sum up some of those stories of people who are already in the pews you may have encountered christ you may be faithfully participating in the sacraments but the question that i feel like alpha offers you maybe it won't present any content that you don't already know that's certainly very possible but have you ever had the privilege of watching someone else come to faith in Christ before your very eyes and watching God transform them with hope and purpose and truth. If you haven't experienced that, then Alpha has something to offer you because that's a great place to be. That Someone else said that it's a gift you wanna give to yourself um, to walk with someone and, and see that happen. We see it probably no more profoundly than in the prison context. So four years ago this fall, we began running Alpha in the prison in Tecumseh, maximum security prison there. And that was not something on my radar when I first got involved with Alpha, not something I anticipated being part of, but I will say that it has impacted my faith in a way that I will always be grateful for. So one story in particular, Andre is a story, and I have this on video so I can share that later, but Andre came in to our very first Alpha course with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and a lot of anger about being in prison, wasting his life in prison, and Um, not finding any purpose in it. And partway through the course, he had this aha moment in the midst of discussion, which was totally a Holy Spirit moment. He was in my small group. I know the conversation and we've revisited this since. And what he was hearing from God was not what was being said out loud in the small group. Like he, he had this aha moment that God is using this for a purpose and that he can still have a hope in the future, even in prison. There can be joy even in the midst of that setting. And it was transformational for him. So he went from angry and sullen to this online, live. He describes it as the word got in and then all the evil came out and then the joy was so big he couldn't help but tell others. And other mm-hmm. inmates in the prison noticed something different about what had happened to him and they wanted to know what's this thing, what's this alpha, and then they started coming on courses. So we have this beautiful chain of a ripple effect of, you know, sort of generations, if you want to call it that, of from Andre to the people he brought to Alpha to the people they've brought to Alpha and beyond. And it's, Andre was released from prison in February and the volunteers who had walked beside him through Alpha and he did some, he was a small group host then on our Alpha in prison, they have maintained contact with him all these years. And as he came out, there to greet him, there to help him, there to be a resource and encouragement. And he got a job right away through the support of some faithful People who've helped him, you know, find housing and and he got a job. He's already gotten a promotion at his job. You know, a month into it, he credits just the prayers and the love of people who would show him, you know, that there are people that will care enough to to want to see someone in his position succeed and come to know Christ and walk with the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. So I, that's part of our vision. I think in Nebraska, in particular, God has put this on our hearts early on, and just in the last four years, that if we can. Equip churches, cultivate churches who are, who have a heart for those who are incarcerated to be able to minister to them and then walk with them after they're released. We have the power to do so much good for our society. The outcomes for those inmates, recidivism rate in Nebraska is about 31%, I believe which is better than nationally, but still, that means a third of those who come out of prison are going to wind back up in prison in less than three years. And if we can walk beside them, the statistics from faith-based programming, and then a partnership or a church community outside of prison, the outcomes are so much better. So sorry if I'm going into too much detail. Mm, I've seen grown men, convicted um, criminals who have been in prison for decades, break down and sob during prayer ministry time, when the Holy Spirit touches their hearts and they reveal woundedness that they've carried for decades that they've not been able to share really in any other safe place. We've seen physical healings take place. There are, are people who have been on Alpha at St. Patrick's in Elkhorn, who were diagnosed with a cancerous tumor and their teams have been praying for that person, went back to the doctor the following week and there's no evidence of the tumor. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You know, We can't explain some of the burdens even emotionally physically that people have been carrying and then have received prayer and God has intervened and has provided healing in ways that I think before I just was not asking enough. I would send up a cursory prayer maybe, Lord bless so-and-so they're having surgery, but like to pray with that person you know face-to-face and ask for God to intervene with full confidence that he may very well do that or he will do something even better even if it's not the removal of the tumor he will do something even greater in that person's life praying with that kind of confidence and watching teams all over the state now doing that is, it's such a gift. It's such a blessing. It's such a work of the Holy spirit.
0: Well, I think I'm sold. I'm convinced. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Why, why wouldn't we want to do that? Why wouldn't I want to equip people in my parish to do that? Why wouldn't I want to, even if I couldn't equip my whole parish, why wouldn't I get four or five people together and say, don't you want to do this? Isn't, don't you feel that in your heart? Just like, let's go help. Let's go bring Jesus to others. Let's go like change the world and, and make a difference and impact in, in, the, in the way in which the Lord is, is calling us. So, yeah. So how does a parish even begin to think about that? What does a parish need to do to run it successfully? Do you yeah. have to have a parish hall? Do you have to have microphones and video screens? and?
2: Yeah, no, that's great. You know what? The beauty is that it can be run in so many different contexts with very little or with a lot in terms of people and resources, both. The the beauty is that with Alpha in particular, the materials are all available for free. So there's no cost to a parish or a leadership team to purchase the videos, purchase the guest guides, the team, all, all of the things required in that sense are provided for free, downloaded on the website, alphausa.org. You can go on there and, and browse around and download that. I'm available to help people get started with that. So I'm, I welcome emails and phone calls or whatever to help in any way we can. We provide online training um, for free. There's several of those coming up in August. So if people want to learn how to run alpha two and a half hours in an afternoon on a Thursday, they can get equipped to at least get started. And then the beauty is now that, so in, when COVID hit and quarantine happened for a ministry that relies on relationships and hospitality, it seemed like a really bad, <laughs> a really bad moment. And yet, the shift over to running alpha online over zoom has proven to be so much more powerful and effective and fruitful than we would have ever guessed so really in essence instead of having something that hindered ministry in this season of quarantine and uncertainty god actually opened up a new avenue of ministry and has Mm -hmm. increased our means of outreach so running an alpha online can be done um with just one or two people who are savvy enough on Zoom to handle some breakout rooms or the other really amazing thing is that it has allowed collaboration between parishes that has never been able to happen before so i was in a meeting this morning with a parish talking about how you know i've been doing alpha online i know the tech piece of it i could help with that and we can combine our two church groups and the resources in terms of volunteers so that we can run an effective alpha this fall so yeah. What it takes is really just a willingness to dive in and know that you're not going to do it perfect. You're going to screw up a bunch of stuff to begin with and it's okay. Just stick with it because the fruit is worth it.
0: I know there's a retreat. How do you do that on Zoom? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> it works, believe it or not. It's, you would not guess it, but here's something interesting I just learned yesterday. So we did our retreat a couple of weeks ago over Zoom and we did many of the th- same things that we do in person. Friday night we met, we had, normally we would share a meal. Um, We had inquired amongst the guests as just an icebreaker question a few weeks prior, what's your favorite go-to snack? You know, what do you munch on on the weekends? Found out what everyone's was and had it delivered to their home. So so one guest in Montana, one guest in Columbus, a guest in Iowa, guests guest in Omaha all received their favorite treat Friday night before we started. We watched videos together over Zoom. We played some really goofy games. They pretended to laugh. So I think they had fun. I'm not sure if they would make me feel better, but, and so there was relationship building happening. Then Saturday we did again, videos over Zoom, prayer ministry time over Zoom by sending volunteers who would pray for people into a breakout room and then one by one sending a guest in to receive prayer and yesterday i was listening to a team from minnesota who shared that they felt like the prayer ministry time was more fruitful than it is on their regular alphas because Mm -hmm. there's uh, i guess more confidentiality a little more privacy you know if you're being really touched by what god is doing in your heart and you're really unloading some burdens you know, some sobbing might be happening. And in a context where there's people all around, that might be a little bit intimidating, maybe. But when you're completely in the privacy of your own home, and you're in a Zoom breakout room with someone else, you could be pretty open and free. And it's incredible how that has been working anyway. Down at the University of Kansas, the campus center there, the Newman Center there, hosted an alpha over the winter, switched to online, all that did their per ministry time. And some of the students who are in prayer, then receive some gifts of the Holy Spirit that they were not anticipating. It, it is happening anyway. We've seen people, again, the healing, some pieces, freedom from pain that they hadn't had prior.
1: Jody, I had heard some of those stories and I was thinking about that too, because it initially it's a little counterintuitive.
2: Yeah. And
1: I, I wonder if a part of it is there is a, a purity of faith, if you will, that when you're sitting in your living room with your laptop, you you can't just say like well it must have been the music or it must have been the low lights or you know i just really admire and and i have a deep emotional attachment to this person who's praying for me like those things aren't necessarily in play and you come with faith right that the lord that the spirit listens to prayer even if someone is across town or across the country praying for you and i wonder if the lord moves even more powerfully in some instances, because the, the faith is, is purer in a sense.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly, I think you've hit the nail on the head. And I love that about that. We don't have to fabricate some sort of emotional experience. We just ask the Lord to minister to someone and give him the space and time to do that. And he does. Yeah.
1: Jody, thank you so much for coming. I feel like we could talk all day, and I know we just scratched the surface with uh, stories of Alpha and changed lives. If somebody wants more information, where do they go to get more information?
2: There are a couple of places. They can go to the main Alpha website, alphausa.org. And from there, they can find all the resources that they need. But it's really great when we can connect locally and connect you with other leaders in Nebraska. And and I'm happy to answer questions. My role is to support churches in that journey. So I welcome emails, phone calls. My email address is Meyer at alphausa.org. So that's J-O-D-I-M-E-Y-E-R at alphausa.org. And I'd be happy to connect with anyone who wants to get started on this journey. It's just, um, I get excited when I get those calls because I just know that they're about to experience something that will be life giving for for those who are even undertaking this endeavor.
1: Thank you. This is so hopeful, particularly some of the last part of what you just shared that, you know, the Lord is not in quarantine. Well, I mean, He's with us in quarantine, but the Lord's not boxed in. He is moving and very hopeful because I think so many have felt a disorientation and felt limited and gosh, just so beautiful to see that the Lord is on the move and changing lives with the gospel in every time and season. So thank you, Jody. God bless you for what you do.
2: Thanks for all that you do. So grateful for all
1: of you. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Thanks everybody. Again, if you want to join the conversation, uh, go check out the blog at equip.archomaha.org. Or search for Equipcast on your favorite uh, podcasting platform and subscribe there.